This is Science Friday. I'm Ira Flato. Back in August, there was a bit more controversy surrounding the Colorado State Art Fair contest than usual, and it was centered around the winning painting. It was painted not by a person who submitted it, but by an artificial intelligence app called MidJourney, which turns a short amount of text into striking images thanks to machine learning and an enormous database of pictures. Many artists online were furious. They were saying that the piece shouldn't have been allowed to be entered. Others wondered if it meant the beginning of the end of their careers. There's a lot to talk about here, and joining me to delve deeply into the world of AI-generated art is sci-fi producer Dee Peterschmidt. Hi, Dee. Hey, Ira. Yeah, have you seen uh, other AI art from some of these platforms, DALI, Midjourney, Stable Diffusion? Well, you know, no, I can't say that I have. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild, a little disturbing. Um, it, it definitely provokes some mixed emotions. All you really do is you type in some words into a text field, like Ira Flato in the style of Salvador Dali. <laughs> and <laughs> it gives you a handful of images. Some of them are kind of messy. They're obviously fake looking, but... More often than not, it can actually give you some pretty realistic results. And also this guy who won the contest, Jason Allen, he gave this really punchy statement afterwards. um, And he said, art is dead. It's over. AI won. Humans lost. Oh, really? That's that's a pretty heavy statement. I mean, writing off all of humanity. Yeah, no big deal. Um, And I basically wanted to know, is art really dead? Is AI going to kill it? And the first person I talked to was Tina Talon, and she's an assistant professor of AI and the arts at the University of Florida. Do you remember the last thing you typed in to Dolly? Mm. To be honest, I think it was something related to Aperol spritzes. (laughs) Why? (laughs) I was trying to... Um, I was trying to create art to go above my bar cart, and I couldn't find an Aperol Spritz poster that I liked on Etsy. When she's not putting together her dream bar cart, Tina teaches her students about AI systems, how to code with them, and how to use them ethically. Many decisions that we're affected by are made by artificially intelligent agents, whether we know it or not. And so it's something that deserves a lot of conversation beyond its applicability to uh, the arts. It's something that's becoming increasingly more common in society. A lot of these tools have really proliferated over the past like two months. So we're kind of on the bleeding edge in terms of seeing how it's all going to shake out and how these things are going to disrupt not only the creative industry, but also society in general, when it becomes so much easier to generate really high quality images of literally anything. Is that a good thing? I don't know. (laughs) That remains to be seen. If you had to like abstract Dolly's process of what it's doing to something a human would actually do, how would you put that? So not unlike the processes by which humans learn how to create art, Dali is examining a ton of different artworks. So, for instance, in many fine arts programs, students learn by copying works of art in the canon. And I think because, again, in AI, we're trying to replicate human mental cognitive processes, these tools are trying to learn how to create art. To replicate the way a human's brain works, you need a couple things. First is a neural network. So similar to neural pathways in the human brain, if we're trying to form a good habit, you want to strengthen the neural connections that result in that good habit. And if you want to break a bad habit, you want to disincentivize the neural connections. And so the same thing sort of happens in neural networks, where we're trying to figure out which of those we want to prioritize. And the second thing are data sets. 
lots of data sets. With DALI, you have to train it on an enormous number of images in a variety of different styles. However, one of these models can analyze more art than we will ever be able to in our lifetime. Mm. And so in terms of scale in that respect, the learning process is very different. To make these models, OpenAI and others downloaded billions of images from the web. And because one of Dolly's main goals is to basically be an art generator, a lot of those images came from artists, dead and alive, as far as the legality of all this. Right now, it's not a violation of copyright. It seems like you should say, yes, people obviously own their artwork. Legally, though, the way in which that artwork can be used is is still up for debate. So it looks like these AI-generated images fall under what's called fair use, which is a law that has protected works of people like Weird Al. If you make something using someone else's copyrighted material, but you transform it in a way that makes it unrecognizable or a different thing entirely, you are protected by fair use. There's a lot of gray area here, but at the moment, the law favors AI image generators and not artists. Recent U.S. court cases have held that it's not a violation of copyright for your data to be used to train an AI model. That might change. Can you talk about your personal feelings on (laughs) the ethics of acquiring a data set? Like, obviously, Mm -hmm. data sets are not unethical to to have, you know, fundamentally. Right, right. They can be ethically constructed, though. Some data sets are are more ethically constructed than others. Um, Data are a reflection of a society's values. And I'm a huge proponent of consent in all possible (laughs) realms, Um, (laughs) but especially when it comes to data set creation. A lot of the popular image generation models, DALI, Midjourney, Stable Diffusion, their developers did not get permission from artists to scrape their work to make these models. Models that ultimately may undermine those artists' ability to get work in the future. I think that they should have some say into whether or not they want their work incorporated into these data sets. It's not even difficult to even imagine an ethical AI. Janelle Jumalan is an illustrator and VFX artist. And it's this. It's just like, hey, just don't use copyright data. And if people want to, like, contribute to this data set, they can. And here's, like, the crazy part. Like, artists are weird. Like, we like weird things. We like new and interesting things. And I'd be willing to put my artwork in this data sets because I like weird things and I like trying to see where things are. But the fact that you know, these companies didn't ask any of us for our consent is is really telling to kind of like the ethics of how they're producing it. And it's just it's just frustrating. Even though Janelle is not a fan of how these companies establish themselves, they are actually pretty pumped about this basic idea, so much so that they've begun to integrate it into their illustration process. I thought it was cool and rad as heck. Um, (laughs) I was like, whoa, this is uh, very uh, wild, right? Like, this is like practically like an acid trip, honestly. (laughs) But there's the ethics issue that comes with it after the initial wow, right? Like, I was like, oh, no, like, this this could easily be used for like some very unethical practices. And, And it has been. And to avoid some of those ethical minefields, Janelle's only been using Midjourney for the concept stage of their paintings. You know when you like look at clouds and you kind of can pull like shapes for things like, oh, that's kind of like a a tiger or like Mm. a dog or something like that. That's kind of how like my brain kind of works. What's exciting for me is like it's able to tap into things that's like I'm able to play with compositions that I would never come to the conclusion with and then be able to infuse my own aesthetics and ideas about where this composition should go towards. For me as an artist, it's more about trying to make it as much of my artwork as possible. 
Janelle's echoing an idea I saw on Twitter that maybe a more ethical use of this software is to use it as a jumping off point, generate a bunch of quick visual concepts, get inspired, and then complete the illustration just like a good old-fashioned human would. That way, the stolen art side of this stays out of the final product, and maybe the artist will have more time to make the illustration better. So I thought it would be interesting to commission Janelle to make editorial art for this segment based on that process, which they're already familiar with. Usually when I contract artists for editorial art, I have a pretty good idea of what I want the final illustration to look like, but I wanted to give Janelle and Midjourney a prompt and let them take it from there. So yeah, the general prompt I wanna give you is how you feel as a working artist about the expansion of AI on the art world. And I'm just gonna mm. leave it like really vague <laughs> like that. <laughs> Very <Yeah>. artsy, yes. <laughs> I know, yeah. Um, so yeah, how are you feeling about this project right now? <laughs> I, I am excited. Uh, like I said, I've just been very vocal on Twitter about trying to find like this middle ground solution, right? Because it's usually like the opposite corners where it's like AI should never be used and also AI is going to replace all artists. I understand the sentiments of a lot of artists being threatened about that. And a lot of my energy, at least with my own platform, is less about like trying to stop or impede it and trying more about to protect the artist. We need to find ways to kind of coexist in this weird world that we're living in right now. So they want to find a middle ground someplace, mm -hmm. it sounds like. Yeah. So they're going to come up with the prompt. They're going to put it in mid-journey. And mid-journey is going to give them back a bunch of results. We'll decide on our favorites, and they'll paint it from there. Sounds great. Yep. And I wanted to dig in more to this idea Janelle brought up that we should maybe start thinking of ways to live with this technology since it doesn't really seem like it's going anywhere. And some artists are also concerned about how generative AI will affect vulnerable communities. My name is Stephanie Dinkins. I am an artist who works with artificial intelligence and emerging technologies. I think my art is really a set of experiments trying to figure out where communities of color fit into the technological future. I got in touch with Stephanie because she spent almost the past decade integrating AI into her art and using it as a way to reflect on race and gender. She's made an AI chatbot called Not The Only One that you can have conversations with. To construct its database, she collected oral histories from three generations of her family where they reflected on the Black American experience. A lot of artists the past few months online have been very vocal about like, you know, I'm never going to touch this. I'm never going to use this in my work. But what do you, what do you say to people who... Um, for their very own legitimate reasons, kind of refuse to engage with these systems? Um, in, okay, so in, in the realm of artists, I'm like, okay, that's your prerogative, go ahead. In the realm of people, I always think that we do not have the luxury and cannot afford not to engage this technology. Hmm. I, I, I don't like this idea of having to play catch up once we realize how deeply embedded the technologies are in the world that we're living in and how the ability to craft some of it, work with it, understand it, gives you a power or a, or at least an avenue to power. And so for me, I much prefer that people engage and try to figure out than abstain. Even though the developers of these models are not transparent with how their algorithms work, Stephanie's been trying to get a peek behind the curtain anyway. Since 2016, she's been typing in different variations of the words black woman into these models and seeing what kind of images they give back to her. 
And what they returned at first was not what she was expecting. And what came back at me was a kind of image of a white figure in a black cloak. Mm. Right. And you have to think, I'm like, what? Why am I getting this result? Like, mm -hmm. how is this functioning? But those results have changed lately. I've been running a few Dolly 2 examples, and it's phenomenal what it can come up with now, right? Like just the other day, I ran, um, what was it? A black woman laughing in a field of roses. Hmm. And I got images of a black woman laughing in a field of roses. And not only a black woman, but a dark-skinned black woman, which to me was also something interesting, right? And if you look at the OpenAI webpage, they explain how they're trying to be more inclusive. They explain how they're trying to keep offensive information out of the data set, right? And then I was thinking a lot about that. It's like, well, what does that mean? And how do we go there? Like, is my job done? I don't need to think about this. <laughs> um, or is it that now I think we need to even be more vigilant in certain ways, right? Because the systems are going to be putting out things that feel really acceptable in certain ways. And then the question becomes about where real cultural attuneness comes into play. Despite instances like this where open AI is trying to appear more equitable, Tina Talon doesn't think we should leave it up to these powerful tools to make the right decisions. We need to have some sort of governing body that's able to audit these tools and examine what their impacts might be, similar to how we have an FDA that looks at new medical interventions and what their impact on society may be. I think we need the same thing for, for algorithms. What we've seen time and time again is that the restrictions come too late, and we need to put the brakes on a lot of these things if we want to really make sure that we're forging the best future possible that involves both humans and AI. Hey, Janelle. A week later, I got back on the phone with Janelle to check in on those first drafts, which were generated by MidJourney. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, let me send some stuff your way. I thought it'd be really interesting to do a very modern interpretation of the creation of Adam. Janelle wanted to keep out as much potentially copyrighted material as they could, so they typed in, quote, the creation of Adam in the style of Jean-Léon Jerome. Jerome was a 19th century artist whose work has inspired Janelle's art. He's obviously long dead, which should put his art in the public domain. Okay, cool. I'm looking at this now. Oh, this is pretty wild. Hold on. <laughs> you can check out what all this looks like at sciencefriday.com slash AI art. Janelle sent me 36 thumbnails arranged on a 6x6 grid. They were all variations on the same basic idea. Ominous swirling clouds, disembodied outstretched hands, mysterious cloaked figures. They were like religious paintings from my nightmares. God, it, I'm, the more I'm looking at this, I'm, the more I'm like freaking myself out. <laughs> it's like I'm starting to see skulls in there and like twisted faces. That's like, and, see, that's like the fun part for me. It's like, you're like what, what are these shapes? Is that, is that a dragon? It's weird because like the, the idea of creating prompts from like uh, artists that have passed away, like you're creating artwork that they would have never made in like a, a weird, almost like sci-fi, like necromancy kind of thing, right? And now you have art that never existed from this artist. And it's almost like looking at like, parallel timelines of things mm. that never happen, right? Yeah, you're completely right. Maybe this is the most sci-fi thing about it to me so far, I think actually like directly interacting with it in this way, where you are kind of like peering into like alternate timelines that you can just create it well. And it's like, it's here right in front of me. Like I'm looking at it, it's, it's, um, <laughs> it's kind of surreal. Picasso making the Mona Lisa, that's a thing <laughs> you can literally write yeah. in the art thing. And it's a, uh -huh. it's a thing we can see now. And it's a it's so wild. Like, there's a timeline that that happened, mm -hmm. and it's just... Yeah, exactly. Wow, that's a really interesting idea, having artists paint like other artists. 
Yeah, and my my kind of big takeaway is that at the moment, at least, it seems like these AI applications, they're kind of more of an assistant just to like help take care of some busy work and then we can focus on the creative stuff. But I think for visual artists like Janelle, the threat is definitely bigger. But anyway, we have a ton of stuff for listeners to check out on the website. We have Janelle's final human-painted illustration, all the works in progress of it. They even took screen recordings during the painting process. And we also have samples of Stephanie Dinkins' own AI-influenced artwork on that page, too. All that's on our website at sciencefriday.com slash AI art. Thank you, Ira. 